What's going on, everybody? It's your man, Oski Champ, in the building, in the place where all great things happen, honestly. I mean, it's the HyperX Arena, the pinnacle of esports, of creativity, of all things in that industry. And today, I have somebody that's really... Uh, at the forefront of giving an honest review, and uh, that's Joe Bradford from MMORPG.com. He's the chief editor there currently, and I'm very lucky to get a moment of your time. I know you're so busy uh, between all the things that you have to not only play and write about, but also just to do in your day-to-day. You're a father. You're a gamer yourself, so uh, I'm really interested to get to pick your brain today. Uh, how are you feeling, brother? I feel like the energy levels are like, you're up here, and I'm like way down here right Th- that's, now. I love it. It's like... Uh, <laughs> It's like where brackish water meets. You yeah, know, pretty much. Uh, like know. this is this is the estuary of, of you know energy levels. Uh, I'm doing all right. It's 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 good to be here. I, I watched your first episode that that's out right now, and uh, I like the format. I like the fact that you're you're bringing in not just uh, you know creators but some locals as well hey. um, to, to talk about this industry. And I mean, it, this is a city that you know should be known more for its gaming industry, and it's really not. So I feel like a show like this is incredibly important to kind of shine a light on that. Especially considering, you know, it's one of the nicest arenas on this side of the country. Hey, we appreciate the compliment. You know, you heard it here from the the man who's been around a lot of places. You're traveling often. I see you at conventions. I see you. uh, All the things that are happening to get your your angle. uh, (laughs) So to give you an idea, like from the end of July until about two weeks ago, I think I spent maybe three weeks at home. Sheesh. I went to to L.A. like four or five times. Mm. (laughs) I went to... Uh, Iceland. I went to Canada. <laughs> How was that Iceland trip? Uh, Iceland is great. It's, it's my fourth time there. Yeah, I know. I've um, seen you go there pretty frequently. Yeah, I, I went there uh, back in like 2017, 2018. Then they took a few years break. Obviously, COVID happened, so they couldn't you know do anything there. And then we went again last year, and then this year for eFanFest. So like, think about it this way: I'm literally flying to a rock in the middle of the Atlantic to talk about internet spaceships. Wonderful. You know, yeah. What a job. Yeah, that sounds like the <laughs> a lot of people uh, wish that they had that you know path or they were able to have a a seat at that table so you know you've been there for a while now what where does your gaming background come from like where where did your first love for games start so funnily enough like so we grew up together let's let's just get that essentially yeah out out of the way you You, know i've known you since you were knee high to a grasshopper it's crazy (laughs) yeah so uh i mean you're what 25 26 now 27 27 okay so i'm only eight years older than you Eight years older than uh, yeah, but I remember okay. us like you know growing up in church playing games together. Yeah, you know, you know Smash Brothers was our jam. You know we what I'm saying that all the time. But for me, that's played like, that on the last on a couple episodes ago. If y'all remember that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, like gaming really started when I was, uh, gosh, I was living in Michigan. I was probably four or five years old. Um, my uncle had a regular Nintendo, like the original OG Nintendo. And I would sit up late at night at my grandma's house where he was living at the time and just play like Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy on that thing. I'd play Mario, oh, yeah. uh, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. And that's kind of where it started. But it, it didn't really take off until we were living in Manch Manor. My dad bought his computer. Okay. You had a PC in the house. Yeah, my it was dad time. had a PC. And we were playing games like X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. We were playing Dungeon Keeper before EA ruined it. Uh, we were playing games like uh, Age of Empires was like huge. Mm, yes. Oh I had goodness. six and a half hour long games. Of the that first time I played Age of Empires was on your, I feel like on that PC. Yeah, probably. I feel like that is the <laughs> facts. Yeah, that is probably such a good game. Um, but like the game that really made me want to like be a gamer like for the rest of my life, I, I kind of realized that games are more than just entertainment. It could be an art form. It could be a, a form of storytelling. Uh, and I think a lot of people my specific age will have this exact same answer. It's either Final Fantasy VII okay. or it's Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. 
Yeah. Those both came out the same year. And we had a tradition in my family where, like, when you had birthdays, certain birthdays, you got certain presents. So when you turned 13, you got your first TV for your bedroom. When you turned 16, you got your first computer. That's awesome. Uh, I turned down the TV because I wanted Legend of Zelda. So I I told my parents, just buy me Zelda. I'll get the TV next year. I'll get it for Christmas or whatever. I was pretty sure they were still going to buy me one. And I was was right. Um, But I spent that entire 1997 summer playing Legend of Zelda. And it kind of blew my mind. It changed how I looked at games. It changed how I approached them. And from that point forward, it was not so much just about having fun. It was like, okay, what is this game telling me? What what is it trying to do? What is it? What does it mean? You know, and that's also around the same time you had a lot of games try to tell stories, not just entertain, you know, Uh, Final Fantasy seven. If you look at it, it's it's a very heavy handed synopsis on climate change right yeah essentially but like when you're 10 years old that's completely over your head yeah, who cares? <laughs> I'm, just trying to cl- I'm just trying to fight these baddies exactly real quick, right? but if you actually look at the story like the developers are telling you something they're like actually trying to make a point um so that's about that time where games became more than just games it became art but even then like i i, I didn't think about making this a career I, you know me. I wanted to be a musician. Like, yeah, yeah. What? So you were you're playing games. You felt you got your your first love in ninety. You said ninety seven. Yeah, was. pretty much. You, and that's you realize, hey, gaming is is where I find I want to lay my hat. Even or did you just? It was like your big hobby. You didn't, you weren't even really thinking about careers at this time. No, it was you're a young, hobby. You're a young it was, person. It was so fun. You, I mean, we we grew up playing games like multiplayer games in the family with with all the friends and stuff. You were coming over to the oh, house. Yeah. I was going oh, yeah. to your house to play games, um, but like. It wasn't anything more than that. It was just right. a pastime. It, yes, I was starting to understand, you know, more of the themes and the the broader arcs that these developers are trying to tell. But even then, it was like, okay, this is just what I do to pass time to de-stress. It wasn't until, like, funnily enough, the Kinect got announced. Hmm. That, that was, that Xbox was like, add-on, yeah, correct? the original 360 Kinect. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like, okay. I kind of want to write about this. I kind of want to like dissect what they're trying to do here. Hmm. And at that point I was pretty much like disillusioned with the whole idea of becoming a musician. I've been working at a music store for 10 years. I had met most of the pro musicians here in town cause they'd all come to the store right, and right. every single one of them did not look like anybody I wanted to become, man, you know, man, that's a real, you look up the ladder sometimes <laughs> and pretty you're much, like, pretty much, is this really where I, you know, am I trying to be up where yeah, they don't much. seem happy or so, they don't seem like, you know, they have the life that I, I want. So that's, that's a really, uh, wise yeah. thing that you noticed. And so like you could make a free blog on WordPress back. I mean, you still can, but, um, back then that's kind of where you did it. And so I just started writing about the connect. Hmm. I got in, I got really into the Lord of the Rings scholarship scene as well, which was really a weird crossover. <laughs> like if you think of the Venn diagram of like game reviewers, you don't usually have Lord of the Rings scholarship and like video games kind of mixing. But yeah. I'm right there in the middle. That's um, awesome though. That's because the first like gig I got was to write about Lord of the Rings online for a Lord of the Rings based yes website. That's awesome. So and it's how a long weird were you transition. Doing that that first gig that you got as a writer and kind of what what even were you just a proficient writer kind of growing up were you always kind of taking english a bit serious and so funnily enough reading and- um my 10th grade english teacher i remember this vividly because i was right next to my mom when she said this but she walked up to my mother at like an open house at rancho yeah and was like um i gotta talk to you about your son my mother thinking you know this is the problem child of course Uh-oh. what's going on there's Joe. and uh, apparently it was to compliment me because there hadn't been a single book that she'd assigned that i hadn't already read hmm I was I was 
two years ahead of the reading You're list. You're Tyrion Lannister. Uh, pretty much. Uh, your family. I, I drink and I know things. <laughs> yeah, kind of man, thing, yeah, you know. Um, and so, like for me, like reading English, I was always writing. I was writing books when I was like, you know, eight years old. Um, it was always one of those things I, I loved to do, but I've never actually had any formal training doing it. I still don't. Now, oh. that, you, now that I think about it, um, so it just kind of came naturally. That's, you know, I'm it's, not. It's your place. I don't feel like I'm the most well-spoken person, but if you give me a typewriter, if you give me a keyboard, I can probably clock out some words for you. You know, kind of, okay. kind of the way I thought back then. And that's kind of what it morphed into. It just was me writing about this thing I thought was cool, writing about Lord of the Rings because the Hobbit movies were starting to get talked yeah. about. And so everyone was like back on that, you know, Lord of the Rings zeitgeist. Lord of the Rings Online was like this MMO that I loved. I still do. I mean, it's it's 16 years old now. I'm still playing it. It's the only game that doesn't get deleted from my computer when I, <laughs> when I uh, you know, do something. I just move the files to a hard drive and move them back. Um, and it just it morphed into this quasi I'm writing about the books I'm writing about right. the game I'm writing about how close the game is to the books yeah and those games are truly the the pinnacle of <coughs> mashing those two worlds together keeping the, yeah. the narrative of the story and the world that's been built so I always say that Lord of the Rings Online is the best adaptation of Tolkien's works I I can, um, I can see that it I mean honestly the movies are gonna appeal more to to most people they're more um, digestible <laughs> but they're 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 made for movies the 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 game is using the source material and just running with it right so it's it's one of those it's one of those games that is just it's so true to the books but it's also trying to be a game at the same time um and it, it perfectly not all the time but it perfectly uh you know marries the two um this was back in like 2009 by the way yeah so i've been doing this for gosh math is hard in the morning um, years, yeah, a couple of years, 14, 13, 14 years, but it was, it was weird because the, the evolution of my career probably doesn't make a lot of sense to some people because I went from writing from this little obscure middle earth website to writing about Skyrim when it came out, I was working for a podcast when network. it came out the first time or yes, the second the time, time or the third the time, very the first time. <laughs> Skyrim um, is the, the, yeah. Forever release. Yeah. Re that that game. I, I feel like Starfield is just Skyrim in space. They just released it a th a, like a sixteenth time and just slapped a new name on it. Exciting. Um. Uh, exciting, exciting though. Yeah. You know what, what better than doing fetch quests in space? You know. Uh, yeah. Doing repeatable <laughs> fetch quests in space that use the same. Oh, that's that's for a different podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to. Well, we're gonna get into. <laughs> we're gonna actually make the game time segment with Joe a lot longer today. I want that to be a, a huge part of this because we're gonna jump into three different MMOs and kind of get your idea of how you review how you break into things like that uh, but that we'll save that for that. that's kind of just a teaser i don't want to you know Didn't let you guys know too too quickly about you know uh, stay till the end we got some extra sauce waiting for y'all when it comes sauce. to how joe breaks things down and uh kind of doing all the things that you're saying right now you have an unconventional path that has brought you to this place so mm -hmm. i don't doubt that you have a process that doesn't look like everybody else that went through the conventional ways that editors uh, would, would go to their Well, it's interesting because I, you talk, I, I mentioned that unconventional you know, path going from writing for, for a just a small Lord of the Rings fan site to a Skyrim podcast to writing for a, a family-based website <laughs> for like one article. I wrote for Playboy for like two years. Hey. And we, that's, <laughs> writing about games for Playboy. That's I mean, big clout. That, that, that first paycheck was weird, by the way. Getting that... <laughs> Getting that actual physical check because they didn't do direct deposit. They you sent showed you up to, to the mansion, right? And you like, uh, no, you no, no, no. I got you, it in the like, mail. You gave it to, to you. Like, had oh. to hide it from the mother. <laughs> <laughs> Said, what, what are you, what are you out there doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, 
and then going from that to just reviewing games for IGN for like four or five years. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and then where I'm at now. And during that entire process, you know, I'm freelancing for other websites. I was freelancing for MMORPG back in 2015. I didn't take over the site till 20, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Okay, so 2019. So I, I was working for the website that I now run for, you know, four or five years beforehand. But I was also writing for sites like Pixelcan. I wrote for GamesRadar. I wrote for IGN. Like I said, I did all of their MMO reviews for about four years. Um, and that's kind of how I became, like, the MMO guy. Because I feel like with a lot of game journalists, a lot of game critics, we all have kind of a genre that we're known for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I assume that it's a, yeah. you're an artist. Like Mitchell Saltzman at IGN, great FGC guy. You know, he, can, he, can, he can review other games, obviously. He's, he's really good at it. But people know him really well for his FGC stuff. Um, a guy like Steve Messner, who's no longer writing in this industry, but he was kind of the guy everyone knew about for EVE Online. Whenever there's a huge EVE Online story, that's who everyone would talk to. Now they're talking to me and Charlie Hall at Polygon. <laughs> so, hey. you know, it's, it's one of those things where we all kind of get, like, thrown into this little niche and MMOs kind of became my niche. Hey, sort of by accident. It's, it's a good niche too because it's at least community based. You know, you need yeah. people, you need guilds, you need to, you know, be interacting with, with people. And, yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge difference from like writing about a regular game. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, I mean, we, we can talk about this more when we're breaking down the games, but uh, one of the things that, you know, differs from maybe reviewing like, say, Final Fantasy VII Remake versus Final Fantasy XIV. Right is you you have and even within mmos themselves um you have such a difference in terms of scale and in terms of what players are doing you know when you're talking about a single player rpg there might be some wacky story from someone who broke the game that makes reddit and makes the rounds and stuff mm -hmm. but a lot of times with the community those stories also live organically in right. the community i right. mean one example is an article that i literally just wrote yesterday uh on the website it's about this huge heist that happened at eve online and EVE Online is one of those weird games where it's a single server. Everyone who plays the game is on the same server. Yeah. So if something happens, even if you're not directly involved with it, you hear about it. It's kind of like the water cooler talk of the universe. That's awesome. You have people 26 <laughs> you know, jumps away talking about the story that happened that they may never have come into contact with. But because it all happened on the same server and it may involve players that you talk to, it may involve players that you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy, he literally stole... It's the largest heist in EVE Online history. This guy stole... It's going to be weird for those without any frame of reference, but um, about five and a half trillion isk worth. Mm. Isk is their in-game currency. Yeah, that's, and the weird that's, thing about Eve Online is years you can, of work. Well, the weird thing about this game is you can convert that into real-world money Correct. because of the way they sell their their um, their subscription fee. They sell something called Plex, which you can buy with real money, sell in-game for for currency. People can buy that Plex and pay for their subscription with in-game currency. Right. So because of that, we have like a real world value. This is like $23,000 worth of real world value Sheesh. stolen. Yeah. <laughs> this is a car. Someone stole yeah. it. Like the joke was uh, Jay Amazingness is the guy's name. Stole Asher, the, the leader of the corporation that got heisted. Stole his RAV4 effectively. <laughs> but I mean, those kind of, those stories don't happen in every MMO. Right. They don't happen in single player games. So covering these games and writing about these games is so drastically different than anything else that you really have to and I'm not going to say this is going to be bad, but I'm not going to say I'm, a, I'm an expert in all of them. Right. But the games that I do have to play, and I'm really lucky to work with a lot of people who are passionate about the games they cover. I'm really lucky to work with a lot of people who are experts in the game they cover so that they can fill those gaps that I don't have. You know, I, I play Final Fantasy XIV, but I don't want to write about it. I, I get that. I have Victoria to write about that. <laughs> do you find time to play games like on your offbeat? Like, is there 
there are moments that so, you get to kind of funnily get to enough, play for fun. I was reading your, your outline here, and thank you for putting this together, because when I did a podcast for 300 episodes, I never made an outline, and it was <laughs> terrible. Uh, we, we did a podcast called Game of the Industry from 2012 to 2019, 2020. Okay, okay. And I think I contributed to the outline maybe once or twice in 300-plus episodes. Oh, my goodness. That was <laughs> so, a, I knew I am not a smart man without a plan. So, uh, oh, man. And I this, had my buddy Randall. Great. Shout out Randall uh, on our tech side. He said, first thing you want to do is you want to get a minute-to-minute and I was like, I can't, I can't supply that, but I can get, I can get a rough, <laughs> rough approximation. Yeah, yeah. But I saw in here, like, how do you balance the current workload and play games? I don't play games for fun anymore, man. I don't have time. Yeah, that's real. That's real. <laughs> the, and the, the people need to know that, you know, like if you want to live in the gaming industry, yeah. you might lose your chance to play games for fun. And well, and it, that's kind of a, a, okay, that's not entirely true. Okay. Because... Yeah, you still find time to play the games you like, but the problem is, is when you're playing those games, it turns into work. Because yes. I can't look at a game now without breaking it down. I can't yeah. look at a game now yeah. without trying to, oh, I could write about this, because this was pretty cool. The, the fun aspect that I had growing up is a little bit lost now, because it is a job. Yeah. You know, One of the things I have to do is I have to play games that are so out, outside my coverage areas, like Madden or Street Fighter or something, just to like get that feeling of this is I'm I'm just relaxing now. I feel that. I feel if I'm that. playing like Lord of the Rings, I am like thinking, okay, how can I write about this? If I'm mm -hmm. playing Eve Online, if I'm playing World of Warcraft, how can I write it's about this? It's all piece of that puzzle it's that you always are exactly. solving every day. Well, and I think every content creator, you know, and I'm not sure I would call myself that. I do technically create yeah. content. Yeah, yeah, you're not the. Uh, <laughs> the new like no no of it's name of it but it's the original form of it yeah you're creating the content people consume it's yeah. interesting because like there's a line down the table right now separating the old and the new hmm. style content creator like i i run a website we do written stuff yes we have a youtube channel we just you know hit over a hundred thousand views this month for the Ooh, first time in five congrats. years um i mean but the channel was mostly dead when i took over so like this has been a five year long process to get that back up and running but we're not known for YouTube. We're not known for TikTok and shorts and stuff like that. We're known for writing. The site's over 20 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like a guy like you growing up and like, I'm not going to say there's a huge generational gap, but there is a small one. No, it's, 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 it's noticeable. Yeah, but you grew up in like the era where video was a thing. When I started my career, YouTube was four years old. Right. It wasn't a thing. Like right. it was, but it wasn't. Not, it was not the way it is cat now. videos and yeah. uh, Charlie bit me. When you came <laughs> of age. Yeah, exactly. Or Charlie the Unicorn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Charlie the Unicorn. That's peak. That's real YouTube. Woke up without a kidney. But yes. uh, <laughs> like with you, you grew up with the YouTube reviewers and right. streamers and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. That was kind of your coming of age uh, time. So It was like the first part of my gaming experience is still game FAQs. Is still, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> we're having to go and like go to forums and like figure out things. We have one know? of those. Um, but yeah, right around, you know, that time where I started getting to that point of like where you said you got serious. You started mm -hmm. realizing it's more than a game. I could go and youtube hey what yeah. is this what yeah. is this easter egg you know all exactly. that all those mysteries and uh kind of playground uh myths that people would say of a game like oh i was doing this in the game last night yeah. and and this happened you know and there's no way to verify those kind of things you just had to play and maybe that thing would happen to you so. well the point i'm trying to make is like despite how you approach content creation in this industry you can't really turn it off that creativity true, true, true. that spigot is always yeah. running yeah. you know like when you play a game you're probably looking at a, a way that you can promote it here yeah or the most like the more the most hype moments or like what's the yeah, narrative exactly. of this game what's the win conditions how do i yeah. if i needed to speak about this like from a commentary perspective like mm -hmm. what would be the thing that matters most to the viewer to exactly. make it uh, yeah. you know universal but also uh, paying homage to the high level of difficulty when i'm of, reviewing a game it's like okay what is this game trying to do how is it doing something differently than the game before it you know what is it trying to tell me 
are they successful? Yeah, <laughs> and huge. you know, it's 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 one of those where, like I said, you just you just can't turn it off. So, like playing games for fun is not necessarily a thing I do a whole lot anymore. And I think a lot of that too is I play games for work. So when I'm done working, the last thing I want to do is sit at my computer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I need to go stretch, touch grass, walk yeah, around. Yeah, I literally said to away. my my partner last night, I need to walk outside and touch some grass. This is getting <laughs> to be a bit insane right now because I've been cramming reviews. I did. You know, I, I did New World uh, just recently. I'm okay. working on EVE Online's Havoc expansion. Lord of the Rings just launched an expansion. Uh, Wagadoo Chronicles is coming out next month. The day before is coming out the Man. same day. How difficult <laughs> is are these live service games to maintain? I mean, you get to see them. How, how hard is it for the, <clears throat> these studios to continue to pump out content? And Oh, it's exceptionally hard. It, yeah. You know. Well, and the, the problem is, is when you don't do it successfully, we see what happens. You know, this Man. year we've seen over 7,000 industry workers be laid off. And a lot of the reason for it is, you know, part, uh, I'm not going to say a lot of it. Part of the reason is the COVID bubble is somewhat burst. So people are not playing right. games nearly as often right. as they were when a lot of these guys were being hired. Because, you know, during COVID, what else was there to do, yeah. right? Every, everybody's playing a game. Yeah. Some form um, but, you know, now Bungie is a perfect example. You know, they laid off over 100, 100 employees, some of them my friends. And the big reason why is because Bungie's not doing as well as it used to. Right. And part of that is the difficulty of not just making a live service game and making it sustainable, but also maintaining the uh, attention of your audience. Yeah. yeah when yeah. there are so many other games out there that are also garnering your attention. Man. Part of the problem, too, is the, and this is going to sound like a little bit capitalist, anti capitalist greed, <laughs> but it's I'm not meaning it that way. Uh, but a part of it, too, is these companies, the way they operate is they are beholden to shareholders. Yes. who don't want that. growth, they want exponential growth right. year over year. Right, right, right. It's one of those where, uh, to steal a phrase from James Stephanie Sterling, you know, they, want, they don't want some of the money, they want all of the money. And so that puts a huge burden on the developers to then take that mandate and what if the game isn't as good? What if yeah. another game comes out that's just as good? I mean, I don't know if you remember Battleborn yeah. and Overwatch. They yeah. came out the same yeah. exact time, yeah, yeah. both hero-based shooters, one of them trying to like meld the, the MOBA. Battleborn objectively was the better game because it was an actual game. And there's always a but. <laughs> but Overwatch had the marketing dollars. Overwatch had the better marketing team. Yeah. Overwatch had the glitzy heroes that everyone kind of could latch onto. It yeah, had that yeah, yeah. blizzard magic. So, I mean, Battleborn didn't necessarily do anything wrong. It was just a bad time. And what happens? That game gets canceled like yeah. three months Battleborn later. Battleborn drops today might be a whole different story. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Because yeah. at this point, MOBAs have kind of like true, died true, true. a little bit, unless you're Dota or League. But uh, it's just, you know, you're competing against so many different factors that at the end of the day, it may not even be anything you necessarily did wrong. It's just someone did something a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and, or PUBG could, or Fortnite. Or more, more uh, resources and utility yeah. to... Really well, make sure that they could. I mean, PUBG and Fortnite. PUBG yeah. was kind of the game that made everyone play, everyone want to play battle royales. Fortnite is the one that captured all the attention and got all the dollars. I mean, PUBG's doing fine. Don't get me wrong. No, they they continue <laughs> to have an insanely loyal fan base and, and like you're saying. But uh, in terms of cultural fine. impact, exactly. Fortnite is the game. Yeah, your grandma you, knows about Fortnite. Yeah, you say when you PUBG, think of, and she's yeah. like, "What about the beers? Why are you talking about beer? You're 12. <laughs> Why are you talking about Pabst? Exactly. <laughs> well, my friends, I've loved getting to chat with Joe about his life, how he's gotten to the seat that you sit at currently. We're gonna take a short break with a message from our sponsor, but when we get back, we'll chat a little bit about the upcoming events, things that you had just recently attended, and then jump into some games, get reviewing. Be right back.
Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's your man, Oski Champ, and I'm in the building with our brand new chairs that we have just partnered here with at the HyperX Arena, the Eureka Ergonomic, amazing smart furniture that we have. I mean, look at these pieces. We got the Python 2 over here. We got the Typhoon hybrid chair. And these chairs are honestly changing the way that gamers are able to sit and, and, and enjoy their gaming. The comfort that it's bringing to the table is unparalleled. You can see here on the Python 2, it's got this adjustable lower lumbar. This pillow really sits on your back. It meets you where you're at, whether I'm leaning back or moving forward to get those clutch experiences in Valorant, it's always just there to be supportive. And then you look over here, you can already see that that mesh is super easy to clean on the hybrid smart furniture that we have here. And on top of that, everything's super adjustable from the head to the lower lumbar, whatever it may be. You can even get this seat to come out a bit more if you're one of those gamers that likes to put your feet up on top of the chair. This chair has a frame here that's made with some insane furniture building technology. Then on top of that, a true ergonomic S-curve that you can adjust to wherever you're at. So, I mean, I'm done talking about them. You already know you gotta come to the HyperX Arena, try them out and get your butt in a Eureka ergonomic. Peace. And we're back after a wonderful break from our incredible sponsors with the man, Joe Bradford. How are you feeling uh, after our little little chat about your background? I don't want you to you know, feel like you went too regressive into a childlike state with us going into those dark recesses of your mind. I am so old, I, I've forgotten <laughs> what a childlike state is. So I, what I feel more is I feel closer to the rocking chair than I do a childlike state mm. right now. So... Hey, at the end of the day, we all go back to the rocking chair. It's you know? so comfortable. Like, why don't? Why doesn't anyone? Like, every house should just come with a rocking. We were just chair. rocking in the chairs downstairs in the lab yesterday. <laughs> it's so funny. We're all five of us were just like taking turns figuring out the optimal rock path and how much, uh, you know, how much force you have to use to make a, a good rock. You, you guys have a lot of free time. That's what I'm hearing. Just enough free time. <laughs> just enough. It's always, it's always getting us back into that creative space. And speaking of creative space, we were kind of just talking about the kind of magic that certain developers can kind of bring to a title sure. it's like you know two people will make the same game but that riot game though mm -hmm. two people can make the same moba shooter but that blizzard you were at blizzcon yeah what, do you feel like the magic magic's being captured again and like they have a good good uh, grasp on things they just were acquired by microsoft and one of the biggest 68.7 billion dollars can't even wrap my head around yeah. a number like that yeah no um, i think they'll be fine um things like, are good well, so it's 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 kind of a catch all catch twenty two here, um, with Blizzard. I mean, they weren't bought because of Blizzard. They were bought for the mobile stuff. I mean, King mm. is the cash cow. When you look at their MAUs and they look at their Oof, their financials King every quarter, uh, Candy Crush is what sells. I mean, it dwarfs Call of Duty. It, it dwarfs World of Warcraft. Get wrecked. You guys I, over here making fun of casual gamers. They're carrying dude, you, dude. Like <laughs> mobile games are take. They have taken over the planet. Mm -hmm. You know. So, sure, you can make the argument, and Sony definitely tried to make the argument that Microsoft is buying you know, Activision Blizzard for Call of Duty, and that's part of the equation. They're buying it for World of Warcraft and what Blizzard brings to the table from, you know, 30 years of, of uh, you know, legacy, magic, legacy, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. But uh, they'll be fine. King will, King will continue to sell. Um, in terms of like BlizzCon, it was it was weird because it was not just the first BlizzCon in person since the pandemic. Oh. Yeah, I guess they, they didn't run yeah, one. Yeah, they didn't run one still. in 2022. They did an online thing. They tried BlizzCon online back in 2021, and that was an abject failure. Um, <laughs> so here's some skins. Well, so what they had to learn is people don't want to pay for video access anymore. And that's true. For BlizzCon, a lot of the a lot of the allure was you know you pay to go in person, mm -hmm. 
If you want to watch the panels, you buy a BlizzCon virtual ticket. You get some digital goodies for your games, and it gives you access to all the panels. Well, the pandemic kind of taught us that you don't need to do that, and you know viewers don't need to put up with that. So when they tried to do that with BlizzCon Online, it kind of it backfired a, a hugely. Right. To the point where they kind of went back to the drawing board in 2022 to figure out what they wanted to do. And so this year, it was the first BlizzCon where – whether you were there or not, you had access to all of the panels. You had access to all of the talks. Oh, nice. That's um, awesome. You could still buy a virtual ticket if you wanted to, and there were very there were various tiers. They were more expensive this year than they've ever been. Uh, but what those things got you was cosmetics in Diablo, Overwatch, yeah. Hearthstone, you know, stuff like that. Um, in person, it was it was weird because I spent most of my time up in the media you know area doing interviews, writing up uh, stuff in the media room. I didn't really go get to go down to the floor until maybe the better part of the second half of the second day. Oh, that's that's usually a pretty bustling time. Though, yeah. Right? Well, at the same time, the Seraphim was playing in the uh, oh, the arena goodness. across the way, so I, I had basically the floor to myself yeah, yeah. in, in that, some that's, spots. That's a big pool. Um, but this this felt super community focused. This was cool. not necessarily a, sure they announced some things at the World Soul Saga. They announced. Uh, you know the next Diablo 4 expansion, the first Diablo 4 expansion coming out. Overwatch, they you know they showed off Malga, the new hero. They also kind of teased the next two coming. It was the last hurrah of the Overwatch League, which you know R.I.P. But yeah, um, yeah, really. I I don't know if you can quite say that Blizzard is back when they're simultaneously putting on this huge event while also praising their community for helping them raise the prize pool for their 120 million dollar esports league. Sheesh. You know, so. It's going to get there. They have yeah. a lot to overcome from the the allegations that they that they faced. A lot of the people that were at the center of those are no longer there. Bobby Kotick, the CEO, is going to be gone at the end of the year, according to uh, Phil Spencer. Uh, okay. So we'll see what happens. It's, hey. I think it's a little too early, but I think for fans, it was just nice to get back out and see other fans, to talk to developers. Yeah, because to, at the end of the day, no matter who ends up running the ship, a lot of the times we falling in love with the journey like you know yeah. blizzard still is a really important brand nobody wants to see blizzard fail well exactly know? we just don't want to see bad people win well <laughs> so it's, it's it's a legacy thing too i yeah. mean you have world of warcraft is celebrating 20 years next year yeah, yeah. what's going on with starcraft phil spencer is kind of teasing some stuff so it's getting right. some excitement going on overwatch is floundering a little bit but it'll get there you know yeah i mean end of the day it, it, it holds a lane on its own yeah you know, same with any... diablo i mean diablo's floundering a little bit but the things they're doing right now and, and blizzcon went a long way towards assuaging some fears that these games are not necessarily being developed all that well with a lot of fans but the big takeaway i got when talking to people in the you know the, the bars afterwards because all of these events the real action happens at the Marriott. Yeah, the networking the, events. Yeah, after the Hilton. Yeah, uh, talking to players, talking to people. The big thing was it was just nice to finally get back, and that was the same thing that I experienced at Fan Fest last year for Eve Online. You know, it was the first Fan Fest since 2019. They did a world tour in 2019, so they went to seven different cities around the world. Oof. I went to Amsterdam and I, I went to the one here in Vegas. Nice. Um, it Amsterdam was just, and New Amsterdam. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, um, but it was. That has been the sentiment from all of these events that I've gone to. It's just nice to finally be back doing this. I right. mean, we're three years removed from a pandemic. At some point, you know, we've been doing these live events for a while now. They've kind of kicked off again last year. Uh, same thing with TennoCon, you know, for Warframe. I went to that back in August or late July. Time time is weird. It's all melding I don't, together. I don't it's understand how time works anymore. It's a facade. Um, but, I mean, that was kind of the same thing. It was the first TennoCon in person since the pandemic. And that is the overwhelming feeling I've been getting from all these events. It's just nice to see my friends in person. It's nice to see these developers and talk to them, you know. 
that's something that we lost when we were doing everything on Zoom, and it's still kind of that way. Mm-hmm. A lot of like the so, just to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit, a lot of the events that we would go to before the pandemic were all in person. They just fly out to LA for a day, right. you drive out to LA, yeah. you fly out to New York or whatever, you talk to the developers in person. Now they're all being handled on Discord, and so mm. you kind of have this weird. <laughs> we meant we we joked about the estuary of, of of you know moods you know uh, hype levels here, but it's this weird estuary of events. You know the kind of like right. meeting together, uh, where you know you sometimes will have a online event, you'll sometimes have a Discord event, sometimes it'll be both. You may not get invited to the on, uh, offline event, but you'll get invited to the online mm. event. Um, so. For something like BlizzCon, for something like EFanFest, something like you know TennoCon, just those being the three recent examples, it's just nice to actually get out and talk to people. There's something different about doing this face to face versus Facts. doing it over a screen. Hundred percent. There's a lot of uh, things that can be misconstrued and miscommunicated as well as for we, sure. as we sit there and write for things sure. out. For so, sure. You know. I mean, I, I do a weekly, uh, not weekly, I do a monthly interview with CCP Games on Eve Online. Okay. I've mentioned them a few times this this, this hey, podcast, you know, this episode. Part of what you do. I, but it's one of the main you. games I cover. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of have our focuses of, of coverage on the site, and for me, one of them is Eve. And I have gotten to be such good friends with the developers I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. So it was just really nice to finally see Burger in person. I mean, his name's Burger. Uh, it's great. Shout out Burger. Burger, Burgers with Burger was like the greatest thing at you, New Vegas. You guys grabbed there. Burgers. We went to In-N-Out. Yeah. It was an actual event. Like he actually brought f- community members to In-N-Out with him and they all sat around and talked to Burger while eating burgers. It was great. <laughs> but uh, it was so good to see him in person after just spending years talking to him in front of the face. And that's kind of how BlitzCon felt. It was so much more community focused, so much more focused on less so much on the media side. They had media opportunities. Right. They had interviews. I, I got my work done. But the majority of the reason why they were there was the community, which you couldn't always say. A lot of times these were media events with community stuff with it. Understandably, yes. So. They're trying to make a make a good deliverable you yeah, know exactly but yeah this this was good really, activation as they say in marketing speak you know but this was really <laughs> them trying to make sure that they show hey this is our direction with our community this is who we care about and um you know you are the reason that we're here yeah. we're going to continue to add value to i do find it hilarious that when phil spencer came on stage which by the way phil spencer has now been to two mmo conferences this year he went to final fantasy fan fest here in vegas okay now he went to blizzcon and it was hilarious when he said this is his first blizzcon ever and the only thing that came to mind is he had to spend 69 billion dollars to be able to go to blizzcon before they, before they finally let him in that, so that's a that's a hefty ticket yeah i can't wait to see what he does with this by the way what microsoft does yeah um, that's it's an interesting collaboration man i mean uh you know, yeah, I guess acquisition. Yeah, I was gonna say not really a collaboration yeah. <laughs> anymore, but yeah, they said by the way, uh, yeah. we're gonna bring in some of our people over here on this side. And yeah, yeah, we're, what what that means we never know, but uh, I'm glad you get to be home for a little bit. You traveled crazy. Oh, Is there any things uh, coming in the next year that you're looking forward to heading out to? So. It's a little bit weird. I don't really know of anything coming up next mm. year, other than maybe BlizzCon at the end of the year. Okay. Uh, FanFest isn't happening next year because it happened so late in this year. They need more time to prepare. Yeah, so yeah. it's happening again in 2025. Um, I'm sure TennoCon is happening. The thing that I'm most looking forward to is are things that happen here in town, like Dice. Okay. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Dice, but it's I like haven't the, been no, but I know so, that. So it's it's effectively it's a game developer conference with like some media stuff, but they also have the Dice Awards. 
that's always fun. Yeah, Dice. It, it happens here every year. It's a you know game developer focused conference, but you do have some media opportunities there. Uh, the Dice Awards happen, which to me is the actual Game Awards. It's the real Game Awards. Um, what Jeff, those those are coming up. We're, this talk will air a while, but it's coming up end of November. Is is actual uh, beginning e-sports, of December? E-sports yeah, e-sports December eighth, December seventh. Well, that's not Game Awards. That's Esports Awards that's coming up. And then <coughs> Game Game Awards. Are you okay? Dice is like the real Game Awards, in my opinion, because it's the prestigious one. It's the, it's they go into a lot more, you know, of the Academy Award style categories. So yeah. things like best, you know, technology, best, you know, you know, best narrative direction. You have some of that with Jeff Keighley's stuff, the, the the Game Awards. But that to me feels more like a world premiere show with some awards tacked on. I feel that <coughs> the Dice Awards is totally different. When um, Game Awards are coming up, at the beginning of December. We have the esports awards to end off the end of November. Mm-hmm. It's a big time. What do you have a contender for game of the year uh, that will be set at the actual <laughs> at the game awards? If Baldur's Gate three does not win game of the year, Thank this industry is broken. I, I'm thinking the same thing. I've been I've been saying that. Been spitting that. So the the crazy thing is we do our own awards as well, but being an MMO focused site, the game of the year has to be an MMO. Yeah, facts. Which has made me question how we do this because there hasn't been a game that has not been an MMO as good as Baldur's Gate 3 was this year. So how can we then say the game of the year is like Final Fantasy 14, which didn't put out an expansion this year, but is still a live service game. Yeah. It's this really weird thing. So it's actually made me rethink how we do our categories. We're going to be releasing our, our, you know, our public voting. We do two rounds. We have, we have uh, the community choice awards, which are the exact same categories the staff votes on. But we we like to do both because I feel like the community awards is a much more accurate barometer for how yeah, a game is doing versus sure, something sure. like because we have to approach games so di- so differently. Yeah. Industry perspective is so much different than yeah. the consumer perspective. <clears throat> so I mean, for us, we'll have ours coming out next year, and I'm literally having to decide: do I make a separate game of the year category with mm. MMOs and RPGs mixed in? Because that'd be dope. But it, it doesn't necessarily fit the site. Understandable. So the way we're probably going to do it is we're probably going to do it like we usually do, where we have best RPG of the year, which Baldur's Gate three should win. I'm not going to say it is because that would be you know me rigging it. But by the time this comes out, that'll already be you know, true, true, true. It'll already is... be decided. Uh, but we'll have the MMORPG of the year. That will be our game of the year because of you know the focus of the site. But everywhere else, there is no excuse. There has not been a game this year that has come out that is better than Baldur's Gate 3. It's insane. So if that does not win, we just saw a precursor to, uh, to the Game Awards with the Golden Joysticks. They, Correct. They cleaned up there. Um, Understandably. Yeah. I have given three tens in my entire reviewing career. Baldur's Gate 3 is one of them. Man. So Whew. it well. is it is quite literally the best game I've ever played. To watch the full episode, including the Omen Game Time segment, Go watch our YouTube video at youtube.com HyperX Arena Las Vegas.